You're listening to KS for Kinky, and today we're going to be talking about... Power exchange with or without romanticals. Oh. Romanticals? <laughs> it sounds like testicles. Well, now you just ruined it. Did I ruin it or did I make it funnier? You ruined it. Check out our romanticals in <laughs> oh, this episode no. <laughs> of KS for Kinky. Hello, and welcome to the KS for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Hi, Eden. Hello, Miss Jen. <laughs> scared already. You've turned my joke into something else. I think it's safe when you bring up a word like romanticals to just sort of accept that there's always going to be a little bit of fear involved with the unknown. <laughs> well, we're talking about, you know, was it last week's episode? We talked about kink and sex, right? Yeah. And how you can include it, how you don't have to include it. Um, so we were thinking that this week we would talk about the combination of power exchange that is just power exchange without any other kind of romantic type love relationship involved, um, as well as when you combine the two and maybe some of the pros and cons of both sides of that. Before we do that, though, today is February 15th. That's the day that we're recording this. This is going to be dropped a week later. Um, but I... It's discount chocolate day. <laughs> it is discount chocolate day. <laughs> If you have a penchant for heart decorations, this is your day. Everything's going to be way marked down. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk with Miss Jen briefly on the podcast before we move on to the topic about what happened yesterday. What happened yesterday, Miss Jen? It was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Oh, my I God. I ate tacos. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> I... This is me knowing what you're going for and get, not giving it to you because it's funny. <laughs> I literally wooed the shit out of her, and all she has to tell me is that yesterday was Tuesday, and there were Taco tacos. Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, I just want to point out, it also happened to be Valentine's Day, and the fact that Valentine's Day landed on Taco Tuesday, it was just like a magical coincidence. I made that happen. You did not. I did, actually. Okay. That's part of my wooing, is that I made Taco Tuesday happen. I mean, technically, yes, you chose a restaurant that had some really good tacos i have never been the one who plans things in our relationship and it's for some true. for some reason in this holiday season i felt the urge to do something for her um woo. so woo. <laughs> i really wanted to like knock her socks off and what i did is i arranged to sing a song for her um, and you can find all of it you know the rehearsal to the actual night of on our instagram i did record it all um but yeah so i did take her to a really nice restaurant as well where she did get tacos and I also took her to the bar that we had our first date at, basically, and we got the first drink we ever shared together there, too. And spilled together. The one thing I learned about my dominant, though, is that she didn't know what to do. It was 30 minutes <laughs> after. Like, we were in the bar before dinner. She had been serenaded. We had driven to the venue. We were in a bar ordering drinks. I'm sitting there staring at her, waiting for the drinks to come. It's been about 30 to 45 minutes since the serenading. And she still has this look on her face. Like, she doesn't fully believe it has happened and like it's not a happy look she like is waiting to be punked and i looked at her and i was like are you like okay like did i make you uncomfortable she's like no i'm not uncomfortable it just i don't know no one's ever done this for me and i only got you a card and i was like okay i don't need anything from you like so like yeah so part of it was i am usually the one to like plan out romantical things i'm using the word again i don't care and so one, I am not used to not being that person. I'm not used to being the one being wooed. So there was kind of just the shock of that, but also it was a surprise. So like there was the surprise of it, but also, you know, there was that percentage of me that felt bad because, you know, I had only gotten you a card and I did that kind of, I'd planned on getting some other things and then never ended up either having the time or my car because you were taking my car extra this week to apparently run off and you know rehearse for this so i'd only had the card which was a very i mean it was a good card she's she's nodding in agreement but yeah i i kind of felt like oh man like you went to all this trouble and all i have is a card and now i feel bad but also i was trying to remind myself like don't feel bad it's okay like usually you're on the other side of this and it's fine and 
it was a really, really lovely evening. What was interesting about it, and I guess it maybe it leads into our topic for today, is that you as the planner, as the person who's the D-type, as the person who's often giving in that respect and who is in control of everything, you were one along for the ride. You didn't know. I did successfully surprise you, which honestly is like the I mean, hardest that thing. that alone was a shocker. Yeah. Because it's so hard to surprise Eden's her. not good at planning no, surprises. I had to like double bluff her. Like she knew something was going on, but she just didn't have any idea what it could have been. Like that was kind of the trick was like knowing that I was going to fail at fully surprising her. So like misleading her to think that it was one thing over another. Um, but I think the other thing is that you are not used to somebody showing that much love and care for you in that way. And it's, I'm, I was kind of joking about it with her at the beginning of the day. Cause I did tell her I was going to woo the shit out of her to which she said, that sounds like a threat. Um, <laughs> little did she know I was going to follow through, <laughs> but I'm always the one that gets wooed. I'm the one who is wooed. So, you know, it was just kind of a weird and interesting reversal of our roles, not as D and S, but different expressions of love from those two sides. Her receiving the gift of me planning, me executing successfully, and me caring for her that much, her receiving that um, instead of being the one to give that was a really big deal. And I feel like in some ways it increased, oddly enough, our trust, and I'm hoping it makes her uh, understand how much I love and feel devoted to her because for her, I love yous verbally don't seem to land as strongly. And yet if you sing a song to her and buy her tacos, like that might be the sing cement. Sing me a song and buy me tacos. You'll then, have you know, my heart forever. Yeah, that might have been it for her, you know? So, Well, unfortunately, you wrangled uh, the girl child into recording it so that's nice because I mean I didn't know you were like recording a bunch of stuff all week to put up on Instagram or whatever Basically all month I mean or all month yeah. but it's nice that last bit at the very least to have um, you know a video that I can watch back and revisit it yeah. was very sweet because it was are we can we can mention the show that it was that it was based on which was Shit's yeah. Creek if we can anybody talk knows show we want yeah yeah, yeah. okay um, I just get nervous because you yell at me whenever I start to sing something. You can't something. sing. You can't copyright infringe on music. Um, but if you've watched the show and if you haven't, why haven't you? Um, but if you have, uh, it's the song that Patrick sings, Patrick to, David. sings to David, um, Simply the Best. And she had a still from that scene of the show up on the TV behind her and Adam. And I have for Christmas... Um, I got the coffee table book from the show. And so it was open to the page that shows that scene as well uh, with candles and stuff. And it was so if you watch the video, you may not have noticed those details. Although what you will notice is Fable stealing the show (laughs) most of the time. Um, Yeah. Fable decided that he needed to be the star, Um, but it's adorable. And it was a really it was a really sweet thing. Um, So I'm glad it was all recorded and I can watch it back and it's very very sweet you know romance is an interesting thing because everybody interacts with romance differently some people are more romantic than others um I consider myself to be a romantic I I like the whole thing like I I'm the one who is very heavily interested at this point in our relationship in marriage um I'm I'm into that kind of stuff I like to hear I love you constantly (laughs) like I'm just I'm just a sap Um, Miss Jen is not a romantic, generally speaking, but I have a feeling after last night in particular and seeing her reaction, it could be because nobody's ever gone through the effort of like hardcore romancing her without it coming with like an apology for having fucked something up. Like, (laughs) I feel like I've just seen like, I remember like your ex, he like brought you flowers and like, what? He brought you flowers once because he had fucked up and was like on your doorstep, like begging you to like come back to him he brought you a bouquet of flowers like that kind Ooh. of seems to be what i don't even remember this i do i, I don't understand how you block <laughs> out the first part of our relationship how convenient for you um to not remember how awkward that was for three months um but yeah he showed up at the doorstep with flowers oh, that x yes that x showed up huh. at the doorstep in the middle of the night with flowers for you after you had told him you needed space he's like i know yeah. what to do I will break your space and bring you a bouquet of flowers and you oh will God, know I, I love you. I forgot about that. Um, 
Yeah, like the only time that you really got grand gestures was when somebody was at, on the brink of losing you. Or like it's kind of typical to do a grand gesture when like you're proposing to somebody. Like that's like the time for grand gestures. Or I, collaring. Or yeah, something. and I, I guess like Valentine's Day can be a time for grand gestures, but she and I are, Miss Jen and I are lazy motherfuckers and we just sit down well, on the ground and we just want to like, watch TV and like eat. <laughs> So, I was going to say, like, I'm more, like... You don't expect it. You don't expect well, it. Well, and I also don't, like, for me, like, Valentine's Day, yes, it's a Hallmark holiday. Like, it's totally commercialized. Ugh. And I... Yeah, exactly. And I tend to feel like I'd rather show those things in small ways throughout the year rather yeah. than, like, oh, one day a year. Like, some... <laughs> Somebody, a designated day. I had a friend who, who I, can't, well, I don't even know, I can't remember who it was, but yesterday posted a meme that said, like, happy annual blowjob day to all my married friends. It's like, <laughs> it's like people, you know, it's it's like the, the one day a year, like your birthday or whatever, to, like, do something special. And to me, it's like, I'd rather just you know, do nice things for each other throughout the year than rely on, like, one day a year yeah. to, like, put it all together. So not like, that last night wasn't lovely. I'm not complaining. I don't think you're complaining. I think um, you're pointing out the way that Valentine's Day is abused. Or, like, it's sort also sort of like when you go to a funeral and that's when you say something nice about somebody. Like, I wish he was alive <laughs> oh. so I could tell him that he made a big difference in my life. And it's like, if you had just told him when he was alive, you would know. Like, it's kind of <laughs> like that. But the thing is, so here's the thing. I do actually dote upon Miss Jen on a pretty frequent basis in small doses. Um, but what I was saying before about how, like, Miss Jen's never really received grand gestures without them coming with, like, a big apology or without them being, like, expected. Um, I think that it impacted you in a very positive way that I did that last night. Like, at first, I think the reason it really hit me that you might actually deserve and need to be wooed in these larger ways when you least expect it. The element of surprise for you is probably key, um, which is really hard because you're kind of hard to pull one over on. But I think you, because you logic your way out of romance, like you're like, I don't need romance. I don't need these things. These things aren't genuine. I think it's the suspicion of this isn't coming from a genuine place. And this is meaningless to me because it's just a show. It's just a performance. Like when somebody is performatively like you're doing it because yeah. it's Valentine's when Day. When somebody's performatively doing something for you because society says that's the time to do it, it has no meaning. Last night had a fuck ton of meaning because of the amount of time and energy I took into getting it together. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm like complaining no. or poo-pooing what happened. I don't think you are. All. You're expressing what many people feel, which is just kind of like fatigue over Valentine's Day. And like I will be honest, like I have never had this much excitement over Valentine's Day in my life. Like, no no offense to our previous Valentine's Days, but normally, like, <laughs> Valentine's Day comes and goes and we exchange a couple of tokens and we try our best to, like, do something together. Yeah, well, that's um, what I prefer to usually is, which yeah. yesterday included, which is sharing an experience as opposed to, yeah. like, oh, I expect a bunch of gifts, you know, like... That exactly. like gifts instead of gifts. Well, and like, but you know, know what I mean? in order to like make sure that this doesn't become an expectation, I will underperform for Valentine's Day for the next five years okay, and then good. get you surprised like on the <laughs> sixth or seventh year. Um, but I think that's one of the things is that it is really wonderful from a romantic standpoint to discover that somebody is taking that much time and energy just to think about you. When they didn't fuck up anything. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did not assume. I did not assume. Yeah. When oh, they, no. When what did up, you do, well, Eden? No, you did, though. We got out of the car, and the first thing out of her mouth was, am I dying? Why oh. did you do all this? It was the first thing out of her no, mouth. No, but that's not you doing something wrong. No, it's something horrible must have happened to you. I just was like, did stuff. somebody tell you I was, I was like, dying from something, and they didn't tell me, and that's why this well, is happening? That comment, plus her literally sitting there... <laughs> looking like things weren't adding up like I was watching her brain while we're in this bar waiting for our like actual reservation time to come I'm watching her try to piece together the unthinkable how could someone <laughs> do these things for me and not Just want because. anything or <laughs> not be not be like on the verge of telling me that I have a, like a terminal illness like how am I having this happen and that one made me sad because I'm like wow I've never grand gestured her and maybe that's my bad, but it's mostly, okay. 
But that's the thing. It is okay because for you, it's always okay. Like I, I could have gone my whole relationship with you and never done this and you never yeah. would have been upset. That's not the point. It's kind of... Just bring me my coffee every day. Yeah. And <laughs> But like, I think for somebody like you who doesn't allow yourself indulgences in life very often and who doesn't have expectations that are obviously very high for romantic partners, I could just... <laughs> lazily bring you coffee for the rest of my life never plan anything for you and you'd be happy but like it's the fact I think the way of showing love and like the importance of like expressing romance when you're in a relationship um it's not about what's meeting expectation it's not about doing the bare minimum or like you know whatever it's it sometimes sometimes it is about going above and beyond and I kind of want to bring that directly into DS it's something that I've learned in my DS with Miss Jen. Like I prefer to understand expectation and to be told what is needed. Like I like to have a direct, like, like, hey, you go pick up this pencil and put it on the table. Not, you know, hey, pick up the pencil and put it somewhere. Like I like to have direction. I like to put know. it on a higher surface. Yeah, and I, I just like how Miss Jen doesn't want performative expressions of romance and love. Grand gestures are meaningless unless they come from a genuine place. I don't want to be expected to perform. I don't want to be expected to constantly, you know, reach above and beyond every single second of every single day because it's going to cause me exhaustion. I have severe anxiety and I need to know where the mark is so I can hit it. So I tend to like operate more along the lines of as an S type, my preference is to know what's expected and to be told exactly what to do so that I can do it. Um, but Miss Jen, as a D type, has always made it clear that she actually enjoys in many respects anticipatory service or like these gestures of, of thinking above and beyond. Because I think for Miss Jen, it's the things, oh my God, my brain just literally stopped. Did your brain turn off? Yeah, it did. <laughs> it's the things you don't ask for. It's the stuff you're not thinking about. It's the little things that somebody else can notice upon when they're living with you or looking at you. Um, and the tweaks that they might make to make your life better that you didn't even think about that, that, well, yeah, that are like, so thoughtful that actually improve DS and dynamics in general. Like recently you started asking, like when you went to go have your tea time, if I wanted a cup of tea or like before we sat down to do the polyam support group, if I wanted a cup of tea, you know, and even though I often won't want one, the fact that you're thinking of it and thinking of me when you don't necessarily have to, because giving me tea is not like in our contract or anything. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's really nice. And I appreciate that. Well, and that's kind of interesting to hear because I, I will be honest before I met my dominant, I was not a very thoughtful person. Sorry. <laughs> just letting you laugh it out. I don't know where it's coming from. Let's just get it. No, out. Very, I was kind of a dick. What? No. I wasn't a dick. No, I, I know. I just, I'm just, that's how, that's why it was I funny. focused heavily on myself and my needs and what those were. I was very big on trying to make sure that any energy I expended, I was in control of. and that Only it, child syndrome. Maybe a little bit of only child syndrome. <laughs> but I think also, like, my previous relationship, I had – a lot of things are wrong with it. And I, I, I tend to be pretty gentle with myself when I analyze what happened because I think a lot of the mistakes in that previous relationship were jointly made or, like, the cause of extreme inexperience and trauma from both sides. But – I wasn't super thoughtful. Like I wasn't su super like careful about making my ex feel like loved or like I didn't take a strong interest in things my ex liked unless they coincided with my interests. I was not service oriented. I was not careful to to protect and to like feed into my ex as much as I feel I should have. And I, I kind of have processed that over the years. And I, I think it's one of the reasons why even after the experience, I was kind of initially right after the divorce, I wanted to be in DS because I wanted to be in a situation where those roles were reversed. And I, as I've been in DS with you, I look back and I realize like I was not only in control a lot during my last relationship to the, to the detriment of that relationship, but I also received a lot of the gestures. I received a lot of these things. I kind of just let that happen. And I didn't often make efforts um oh my god I'm so tired of myself right now did they make efforts though yeah like my, my ex was very romantic my ex was very romantic my ex was a musician would play and sing for me all the time my ex would do lots of things my ex is the one that proposed and made this ridiculous like scavenger hunt proposal like 
my ex was a wonderful human, is a wonderful human. I'm sure he's still wonderful to this day. Um, again, we had a lot of problems that were pretty much joint, but I could have stood to have been a lot more giving in that relationship. And I was giving in some ways, but like, I didn't, I didn't take the time to be romantic. I didn't take the time to plan those things out. I expected that to be done for me. And when I got into DS, this fundamental shift of thinking of I'm supposed to be taking care of this other person, that was really hard. Um, because I mostly like, I understood that I'd be doing tasks and chores and that's kind of how I saw tasks in general was chores. I need to learn to do chores because as a kid, I had literally refused to do chores. And if I was told to do chores, I would deliberately do them never or like do them (laughs) badly or like just, I would just find ways to like let my parents know that in no way was I under their thumb and in no way was I subservient to them. So to go and deliberately seek a dynamic where I was putting myself into a position that I had never been forced to be in as a child, like it, it was difficult. And I really resented the notion that I was supposed to just constantly dote on anybody else other than like, I mean, it, it, and that's kind of a weird thing to say as an S type, but like I didn't get into DS because I wanted to be somebody's servant. I didn't get into DS because I'm naturally giving or I'm naturally, you know, like filled with the desire to like figure out what somebody loves and to do that for them. I got into DS. Service is a new muscle for you. It is a new muscle. I got into DS because I wanted to learn how to have that muscle. And I recognized even when I was fresh out of the divorce that not so much in the frame of the divorce itself, but just in the frame of how I interact with everybody in in the world, I have never known how to be giving and how to how to put somebody else first ever and it was a detriment um and so meeting you it's been really crazy because i've been growing this muscle of how can i show love by giving service how can i show love by putting you first or by thinking of you um and it's taken a long time for me to be able to master just the expectation that was the first step of our journey was me being able to understand and and you being able to communicate clearly, but expectation and hitting expectation. Um, and that was expectation of hitting. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was really hard to learn in DS how to have like a bunch of tasks um, be added and how to make sure that I'm actually getting those tasks done without being resentful. It was a lot of resistance inside of myself. Um, and then there came, you know, the time period where we kind of stagnated. And then more recently, we've been having communication adjustments and growth. And we're looking at the DS and trying to figure things out. But one thing that has really changed for me over the past year or two has just been being able to be in a position now that I'm staying at home and you're supporting us, where my only job really is to support you. Like, I mean, I also, in the same breath, want to say, oh, that's not the same breath. That's the second breath. <laughs> all the breath. <sighs> so much breath. You're doing breath play over there all by yourself. I know. It's not fun either. It's <laughs> I'm having a good time. Um, I, I do take care of myself. I do think of myself. I'll never lose my sense of autonomy or my sense of duty to myself. And I think that's a really healthy muscle that I have. But when that muscle is the only one that exists, it looks a lot like self-centeredness. It can look a lot like just shitty behavior. And um, I now have a much, much stronger giving sense about me and a much stronger service sense. And it helps to have friends who I admire. Like, I'm just going to name drop Pudding and then ask Pudding afterwards to keep it in. But, like, (laughs) I really admire Pudding as an S-type. I think that Pudding is the epitome of... uh, Why do you admire Pudding? I admire Pudding (laughs) because Pudding is one of the most thoughtful people I've ever met pudding does things for people that like she doesn't need to do she goes out of her way for d types that she plays with who are her friends to like think of their birthdays or like to do special things for their favorite treat yeah i mean (laughs) i needed i needed help yesterday pulling something off and asked putting at the last minute to help drive us somewhere and she fucking did it. Like, she's just a very kind person. And she, as an S-type, is so focused on the D-type and so focused on, like, how can I make your life easier? How can I make it better? And when you see that type of genuine gift giving of the self and of the energy of, from someone, when you see someone genuinely giving themselves like that, it puts into perspective why 
it doesn't have to be an exploitation or it doesn't have to be something to like guard against. And that sounds weird, but like I've always guarded against being taken advantage of. I'm so terrified of being taken advantage of. I don't know. Like I've never been able to be at the level that I see pudding is at because pudding's not thinking usually. I, I don't know what she's thinking. <laughs> I know what pudding's <laughs> thoughts are. I don't think pudding's sitting Uh-oh. there thinking like I'm going to be taken advantage of. I think she's sitting there thinking like, this is my friend. I love them. I'm going to be there for them. That's what I think she's thinking. And that's fucking admirable as hell. And as an S-type, it's like the best quality I've ever seen in somebody. And I totally want to be like that. Like I aspire to be more like Pudding. Um, and having friends like Pudding, because there's other people I've met who are also pretty fucking exemplary as S-types. You know, it, it makes me want to do that more in DS. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think... Oh, hence the Valentine's Day thing, though. Or hence, oh. like, offering tea to you. Mm. Hence things that I'm doing that are more thoughtful-oriented, that are above the expectation. I'm now at a place in my life and in our dynamic where the f- primary focus is on us and on you. And I'm starting to have mastered expectation, or at least I understand what the mastery would look like, and I have the capacity. And now that I have this capacity to master expectation, I can reach beyond into okay, I'm hitting these minimums. What does service from the pudding standpoint look like? <laughs> you know, what would pudding do? I really hope she gives permission to use her name because it's going to be a lot of beeps. I'm just going to A lot of beeps. I'm going to text her while you take, the, you take the reins. Um, well, I wanted to kind of like bring it all back around to the topic. Um, by the way, we're 30 minutes in and haven't even touched the topic. Like, I don't know how, <laughs> how we're going to use this episode. We're going to figure it out. But Well, I think that you know, we are an example of a dynamic that is a 24-7 power exchange and a romantic relationship. Um, you know, we live together. We do the day-to-day together. We run, you know, projects together. There's a lot of uh, entanglement. Um, and we are partners or girlfriends which i don't know that word just <laughs> I like sounds being my, so weird coming my girlfriend out, out sounds, of my mouth it sounds kind of like you know we're in i just haven't used the words girlfriend and boyfriend since like high school yeah it's just weird anyway but i am your girlfriend <sighs> yeah um i'm your partner well that's what i said first but i'm just saying like we are an example of a couple where all of it is intertwined all of it all, everything um <laughs> except for our legs and our bodies because she's like get off i'm warm and then i'm like i want to hug you and you're okay, like here's okay. my pinky our pinkies are intertwined okay but my point is coming back to the topic we are an example of that right um and i think there are certain pros and cons that come with that kind of relationship where you have both um And I don't know when people are newer to the scene or before they kind of step in and start meeting people, I don't know what people assume. I don't know if the assumption is that 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 is the only kind of power exchange there is, is like I think that is the assumption of like romantic intertwined relationships with power exchange. Um, But I want to point out that. There are so many different levels of power exchange, first of all, but even in like a full, you know, 24 seven kind of dynamic, whether it's total power exchange or not, that can also be platonic. You know, there can be DS and power exchange that is negotiated and official and all the rest that is platonic between two people who do not have sex with each other between two people who are not romantic partners with each other. Um, and you know, part of the, the pro of that is that you can focus, you can kind of hyper-focus on the DS, right? You can hyper-focus on the power exchange and really kind of mold that without, and I'm going to say this and it's not the right word, but like without quote unquote distraction of <laughs> the romantic piece, if you will. Um, so, yeah. Well, I think, first of all, kudos to call out whether or not people assume there's romance in DS, because I think 100 percent people assume it. Um, DS is a very intimate dynamic and a lot of people who are interested in DS tend to uh, conflate it as well with sex. 
Like, I think, yeah. honestly, when I came into the scene and Miss Jen and I started a DS dynamic, I'll be real for the first month. I was super into it and I still am, but like I was into it and I thought it would be heavily sexual and I just sort of figured it was natural to add that into a relationship. It had never occurred to me to pursue DS with you and not have romance and sex. Like it didn't occur to me. Um, I think I also imagined, I fantasized there'd be even more sex, but I'm happy. I'm happy. It's happy. As long as there's <laughs> well, some. I think, you know, you're assuming that hundred percent people assume that, but I think also there's representation of people who, whether it's through media or whatever, where it shows kind of the detached dominant from their S types where, you know, the, yeah, but like it looks the, super unhealthy when it's well, on TV. It but looks I'm saying like, like they'll see usually. things like where it's like, Oh, you know, the, the Dom is there and, you know, it's like a bring out the gimp kind of moment. That's always what it's like, though. It's always <laughs> like bring out the gimp. Like, I'm going to use um, bond- bonding. bonded bonding as an example. In bonding, uh, I, I don't remember their name. Tish? Tish? <laughs> don't Tiff? remember. Tiff? I don't remember. Anyways, anyway, the, the main, main character. The main character. Oh God, I feel so bad that I don't remember. It's been a while. I think it's Tiff, but I'm just guessing. Um, the main uh, female dominatrix. Thank you. Um she wakes up in her apartment and yes, it is literally a bring out the gimp scenario. It's usually a femdom represented in media with a male S type, like usually a slave who typically is in a hood and typically is dressed down to like the bare essentials or like in a full like suit, but like typically is not dressed like, like a vanilla person. I can't believe I remembered that. Or it's like the male dom with the sex slave. Yeah. But so normally what we're seeing is power imbalance. And oftentimes we never see the care that would be required in that relationship. We don't see the D type expressing care and love for the S type. We just see essentially an actual slave and master dynamic that's represented as unhealthy, and exploitative. That's typically what we see in vanilla media when we see a detached DS That's relationship. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what people come in with. They might come in with either. They know? might come in, come in with, I'm going to be abused and I'm, that's or my I'm fantasy. just going to be used and that sounds hot. Or, or I'm going to be used and that sounds terrifying. I don't or, want yeah. this. <laughs> or they come in with the Christian Grey, you know, idea in their mind of like, this is a form of romance and that's all that it is. I have never, I, I literally cannot remember a movie or video or video my god give <laughs> what just um i cannot remember anything i've ever seen in media that represents a healthy ds dynamic that is not sexually and romantically entangled the healthiest ones i've ever seen always involve romance and sex in media but the reality is in the scene in actual bdsm it's not uncommon it's not uncommon to see healthy ds relationships that have no sex and romance involved it's just not what the media wants to show because it's not sexy. And to be honest, like, yeah. to be honest, well, actually, it is sexy. It can be very sexy. Well, hold on. Now we're getting off. Oh, <laughs> I'm really misspeaking a lot. Um, I was going to say off topic, but I left the word topic off. And anyways, it can be sexy, but like typically if the vanilla media is going to cover BDSM, they want it to be pornographic. Like that's just the way that they're going to spin it. Or they want it to be like a dark tale of fantasy. <laughs> He wraps his arms around your throat and you wonder, is he going to kill me or fuck me harder than I've ever been fucked before? Ooh. Oh, Lord. Is this a... Should I keep going? I don't know. I kind of... um, Blocked it out. My brain actually left for a second. When I did the sexy voice. Anyways. I was thinking about something else. Wow. I'm I'm back now. My porn is so bad that you (laughs) drift off. Hey, precious kinklings. Usually Eden does these these mid podcast episode thingamabobbers commercials i'm I'm realizing why now that i'm doing it uh (laughs) but we wanted to tell you that we have a newsletter that why are you looking at me like that that we have a newsletter uh that is has started this month of february 2023 um you can find the link to sign up in the show notes um as well as on the discord's and probably other places. Um, but the point is, if you sign up, for those who already have my Lost and Found events newsletter, this is a separate newsletter just for K is for Kinky. Um, lots of fun stuff, pictures and links to stuff and the cats and all kinds of fun. So, um, yeah, join our newsletter. 
Anyways, to be on topic, yes, it is possible <laughs> to have DS without romance, but I really do believe that most people who come into the scene, especially those who are already in their minds thinking they want DS, they probably want that because they were exposed to some form of romantic DS representation, and that's what they're seeking. Um, so what I do want to point out as well, though, is an agreement with you. It is a distraction, and it is complex, and it adds a lot of blur and a lot of gray area to DS when you have a romantic entanglement. Um, and I'm just going to throw in there sexual entanglement as well with the romance, but today we're going to specifically reflect upon romance and DS. Um, because while that is the relationship style that is the most discussed, the most showed, and honestly, in some ways, the most revered, in, in, in even in kink, like I see people constantly pedestaling romantic DS relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, but they are incredibly difficult to maintain, especially if it's your nesting partner. Like, this is a very hard relationship style. There's to, a lot of to lines manage. to tiptoe across and yeah. to figure out. Um, <clears throat> yeah. There's a lot of also like shame, guilt, and societal expectation placed upon relationship styles like this, romantic DS. Um, because when you're failing in one area or when one area is struggling, it's difficult to speak up about it and it's difficult to process why. Why is this hard? You know, and I, I, I want to kind of talk about why it's difficult. If you're just looking at DS and it's a power exchange dynamic and all you're having to navigate is the power exchange, you don't, you strip away romance, you strip away sex, just for the sake of stripping away both um, and we're just going to look at the DS, you kind of stand a much stronger chance of maintaining that dynamic the way that you want it to look because there's no complicated emotions beyond like, let's assume that you're being caring and you're being emotionally responsible for each other, but that's where it ends. Like you really only have to focus on being a certain aspect of yourself with that other person. Well, you kind of, you create, you know, perhaps, well, for us, we like protocol. So like perhaps you create a contract for that power exchange dynamic and you come up with what that dynamic will look like and what protocols you're going to have in place. Um, And it's very clear, right? Um, And you move forward in that way that is very clear and kind of just spelled out. And, you know, sure, you can do that in a nesting romantic power exchange relationship. And you can have all the best intentions. And this is the protocol that we're going to follow every day. And then the cat pukes or your car breaks down or life happens or you have that children. affects or you have children <laughs> that affects the relationship where there's not there's no longer separation. Well, also, when you add in like romantic feelings and sexual attraction and things like that, which they don't have to go together, but I just I'm, I'm trying to bring both in a little bit here. But when you add these things into DS, it changes the nature of the DS because DS, when you take away everything but the DS, is about one person being in charge and one person not. One person gives control and power so the other person can have it. It is an exchange. You're both there for each other, but like it's very, very defined. And there's no other obligations between you other than the DS. But when you're in a romantic partnership with somebody, you have an obligation as a partner. You have an obligation that goes beyond the DS. And in in my opinion, romantic relationships ideally should be egalitarian but dds relationships should not so what do you do when you look at like i want to be treated respectfully and like on on even ground romantically um but i want to layer in ds where i'm deliberately designing not to have egalitarian how do you balance these two different feelings Michelle's making a face like she's confused i'm very confused i feel like if i was just if I how do you a- have an egalitarian romantic relationship relationship shat relationship relationship overlapping a 24 7 power exchange i think you just pointed out that question is why it's so difficult to be able to maintain both at the same time i didn't realize that's what your expectation was Oh my God. I love this podcast. I love discovering things with you on this podcast that are like earth shatteringly big. So if I was just in a romantic relationship with somebody and there was no DS. Like vanilla. Yeah. Sure. romantic or sex. That's that's an egalitarian relationship. Sure. Also, if that person's my partner and I'm living with them, I need to be able to speak up about my needs, my wants, my emotional boundaries. Okay. I need to be able to advocate for myself romantically. And I also have to make sure that I'm treating them well. 
um, and that they're treating me well. That's that's the romantic piece. Do you think that's separate from power exchange or that that can't happen in power exchange? I think in power exchange, there is a different precedent being set where it, it's not egalitarian. It's not about this very even, even footing of like both of our needs are equally important. Both of our voices are equally important. Um, in DS, it's our needs are important. Our voices are important, but I'm going to be the one to speak the most or the loudest. My voice will be the final one on this matter. I'm going to be making these calls and you're going to let me do that. Like, it's just a different vibe. And I think that you do see romantic relationships in vanilla culture that have power exchange in them like that. Um, and I think many times that haven't been negotiated, you mean? Yeah. Or that have been negotiated. Like, I, I mean, I, I use, I have, a, I have a, some extended family where the, father in the family is very in control and the leader and the wife is expected to follow him like 1950s kind of yeah and it is consensual it's not something that they don't agree on it's not abuse um i don't like seeing it and it it's very disturbing to me because of the nature of it but they're happy to my well actually i don't know that's true but <laughs> i'm pointing out that if to we me, assume they're happy when then... <laughs> you look at a partner who's a life partner the humanness of that goes beyond the ds you have to – the idea of this thing of like we're all human, to me that also means we all have exact equal footing. We all have exact equal voice, exact equal opinions that matter. When it comes to just the relationship aspect, to me that's more egalitarian and balanced um, in power. But when you look at DS, the de- deliberate decision is to not have a power imbalance but to have power balanced differently. It's not egalitarian. It's not equal footing. So, yeah, for me, romantically and, like, you know, even sexually, like, I would like to get off sometimes, which I do. I'm not – that's not a stab at you. I'm saying, like, I have sexual needs and those matter. I have romantic needs and those matter. Like, when we do polyamory, it's even more apparent that romance and relationships are egalitarian. Like, you and I do not speak necessarily purely as DS when we talk about – partners like outside partners like I'm allowed to pick my outside partners and I still talk with you about them but like if I had other relationships you as my dominant your reach would not extend into those relationships like there's just lines pre-negotiated it's pre-negotiated but I'm that's I'm not okay I'm not saying the DS and romance (laughs) don't work I'm saying that if the mindset typically in most romantic relationships that are not DS is to be egalitarian and you layer over there's I mean there's a there's a reason why in romance people should be on even footing and be able to talk to each other. There's a reason why partners who are building a life together need to be able to clearly communicate and have a sense of power balance. In DS... I'm waiting. I'm trying. I'm trying to explain <laughs> it. You're like, I, I wish this wasn't so hard to like verbalize. And I wish that you and I were on the same page right now because I kind of need help verbalizing it. And you can't help me because you don't understand what I'm saying. So I'm on my own. I'm up a creek and I've got one paddle, but I need two. Oh, if I had two, I'd have both arms moving. That would feel like an idiot. Just, oh, no, no. no can, people can, do that. And the, never mind. Anyway. I don't know how boats work. And apparently I don't know how relationships work either. <laughs> um, okay. Let me try this one more time. Well, but like, I so to me, in a healthy power exchange dynamic, both people have a voice. The S type should have a way to express that voice in some way that works. It's going to depend on the relationship in terms of whether it's just kind of whenever they feel like talking about something versus having a little bit more protocol involved. But both people should have a voice and a, a place to, to have that voice. Um, it might be that you pre-negotiate that the D type takes in that information and then still makes a final decision. Um, But I think, you know, the reason why I prefer power exchange over egalitarian vanilla is that in the vanilla relationships, usually that same situation results in power struggle because nobody has like an end voice. They're both trying to be heard over the other. And if they just don't agree then it just becomes either a fight or it gets swept under the rug. So I think the same thing can happen in DS though. I think for well, anything all the, can happen in any, I know, but like for all the good that DS does, like you can't erase sometimes major disagreements. And I think when we're looking at the reason I, I want to be like romantic relationship versus a pure DS with no romance. I want to compare the two from an egalitarian versus a non egalitarian standpoint 
is that our intimate relationships in our life, especially ones that are romantic and sexual or just romantic or just sexual or whatever. God, why do I keep bringing up the sex thing? <laughs> our relationships <laughs> should be based on equity. Period. In DS as well, they should be based on equity. A good way of defining equity in a non-DS situation is egalitarian interaction. It's both people's voices mattering equally and being able to find compromises with each other. A healthy vanilla relationship with no DS, I would hope, is egalitarian and capable, and they're capable of reaching conclusions and working together to find solutions. Um, I would also honestly say some something kind of similar about DS, but the intention is for it to be weighted differently. You still should be able to hear and to speak, and like I really, really, really feel S-type voices should matter and be protected at all costs, even if the D-type decides to make a different decision. I think the difference in DS is that the D-type has a responsibility to lead and also has to take on the burden of, if a mistake is made, owning that piece. And the S-type has a responsibility to follow. And, like, there's... Guess taking- what? We're both actually on the same page. We're saying the same things in different I'm ways. I'm sure we are. And I think <laughs> the thing is, like, I don't... Obviously, if I thought that you couldn't combine romance and DS... I'd be in a lot of trouble have right a problem. now. But I think the reason it's difficult on top of that is because we go to our partners for a lot of our needs. And if you're just going to to look at DS, all you need from the D type is to be in control, in charge, calling shots, and you as the S type need to be supportive, responsive, you know, following. But if you're like, oh, I also need you to hear about how my day went. I also need you to tell me that you love me. I also need you to provide some of these other emotional needs that I have being met. I need more from you than just the DS. I need you to be my partner. I need to laugh with you. I need to watch TV with you. Um, I need to go on walks with you. Like, I I need to have a relationship with you that goes beyond the DS. I need to know what your favorite ice cream is. I need to be able to put ice cream on your nose and laugh because your nose is cold. Don't do that. I'm thinking about it. I need to be able to be no. silly with you. Like, there's another, <laughs> there's something with us. Like, I, you're my romantic partner, and by nature, I need to be silly with you. That's interesting. You know what's going through my head right now is what? like, why is any of that excluded from something that is just pure power exchange? It doesn't have to be. And you know, maybe you're right. Like, maybe I place too much emphasis on romance. But I think the reason romance can complicate it is because we have certain feelings, needs, and wants that are automatically attached to romantic relationships that sometimes conflict with or don't seem to match with DS. And the reality is they can match. That's why DS and romance can work. But finding that balance while having to wade through and deprogram expectations for romantic relationships or reprogram those or like having to do all of this heavy lifting, not only in DS, but also in your emotional baggage for relationships complicates how things are executed. So like another example would be like relationship trauma comes into play romantically when you're with somebody, whether or not you're in DS. So like Ms. Jen, but it could come into play for even if you're just in power. That's stage. true. That's true. But it's more likely to come into play. Like you're more likely to be trump tr- triggered tr- by like past traumas romantically when you're in a romantic relationship again versus when you're in a DS relationship with no romance. Like there's just different types of structures and expectations. And maybe that is actually the biggest thing. Like if I think the ro- romance is shaped like a camel, I have to figure out a way to drape DS over the camel's back. Oh, what a weird metaphor. Holy shit. Why am I talking about a camel? <laughs> I mean, Somebody take me Wednesday. out. Oh my God. The <laughs> point day. is, if we're trying to fit DS around our expectation for the shape of romance, DS can conflict with romance. DS and romance can totally conflict with each other based on the shape we think one is supposed to take. If we try to remove shape and turn these things into fluid objects, that's when we can mix them together to form a really beautiful thing that is a cohesive unit. Where romance and the DS, they work together. But if you're a camel and the other one's a blanket, you got to fit it around the camel. Like it's a, That's a fucking weird <laughs> metaphor. I don't know what is wrong with me. I actually want to bring up something that um, actually Dan and Don Williams talk about in some of their books. Uh, maybe podcasts. I don't know. I, I read Pod all books. the things and listen to their podcasts. So I don't know where it came from, but I know I've heard them talk about, write about this idea of being very clear about what is at the core of your relationship with someone. Um, and this is especially like, this is 
referring to people who are combining power exchange and a romantic relationship is the core of your relationship the power exchange or is the core the loving romantic relationship and the reason they talk about and i hope i'm representing this correctly oh God, i'm scared dan if you're listening there are some couples that will say okay we're having some rough times so let's set aside the power exchange while we work this out in the relationship right um and that would be according to how I'm understanding what they mean by this is that would be somebody who sees the core of their relationship being the romantic partnership. Um, on the other side of that, if, if people are going through and having some struggles and they look at their core as power exchange, then they might be advised to actually lean heavier into the power exchange to get through the conflict um, I mean, I don't know if we're in agreement here and I'm, this is what I'm scared to find out, but oh. I feel like the core of our relationship is the relationship with power exchange. But I also almost feel like it's a split core because I can't imagine our relationship surviving without power exchange. I also can't imagine having power exchange with you without the relationship. I would need both. Yeah. It, I mean, with us, like I tend to lean more into the power exchange, which actually I know you say that you think the core is a romantic it, but you've acted opposite of that like I but anyway but without getting into that part it's just an interesting concept of defining what is at our core without getting into how this applies to us and how we're not on the same page well, let's talk we're not about necessarily not on the same page it's, because i think some i think you're you're a more romantic person so you you kind of our, see that as and, and especially you're leaning like you're lean towards and your automatic instinct towards egalitarian and autonomy and all that kind of stuff I think pulls you in that way but in terms of what we've been working towards you've been you lean into hey like I want more you know punishment I want if things are not you know what I'm saying like well, yeah and I'm, I'm just kind of shortcutting this because you Eden know what I'm talking about without having to go into a bunch of details but you actually do lean into the power exchange as well, but it is pretty close down the middle, I, I think. I feel like our power exchange relationship that is romantic is genuinely an even split. I, I really think, if I, I've, I've thought about this before because we've had hard times where I've wondered, like, what if we just, like, I, I, it was a nightmare wondering. It was not a fun fantasy. It was literally just going down the nightmare path of worst case scenario. What if I lost my call or what if I gave up my collar and said, I don't want this anymore. Like I've had some very dark thoughts during really hard times and I've literally not been able to go beyond that point. I can't because to me, the collar and our dynamic and what it represents, it cannot, it being removed would destroy the relationship in my opinion. Um, and I, but I also feel like if there was no relationship and we were just DS, I would be completely unable to be here well and and i think there might be a misunderstanding it's not about which one would you choose over the other because it, it's not about removing one or the other it's about which one do we lean into a little bit more to get through oh. tough times i just i think our ds is so important like I, that's I, what i'm saying i yeah. think we're on the same page in terms of what we've been trying to do is actually lean heavier yeah. into our, the ds or the power exchange our romantic relationship not from that the, that goes away. No, from the beginning was colored like DS. There was never a time in our life together where we were not immediately looking at each other from a DS standpoint. From the beginning, it's always been there, which is why the potential for us to de-escalate DS and to keep the relationship is basically non-existent. Um, I mean, we've had times where we've like lessened some stuff. Yeah, but that's not but removing it. That's what I'm saying. That's, and I, yeah, and that's I why... I wouldn't yeah. want to remove it. Um, right. The thought of it's actually making me feel like I'm going to start crying right now. Like, I thought you were going to say puke. Don't puke. No, I'm going to puke. Like, it makes me want to cry because to me, like you are my dominant. And some of the worst things that you could ever say to me would be like, I don't even feel like I'm your dominant right now. I don't feel like this is DS right now because to me, it's like, oh, even when I'm having a hard time or even when I'm struggling, you're always my dominant to me. Even when I fuck up or I'm disrespectful, you're never not my dominant. Did how I describe it the second time, though, make more sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not so much about, okay, we're having a tough time. Let's cut one out. Because I think that would almost be impossible for most people. Well, I mean, I've, I know people who've de-escalated <clears throat> successfully. De-escalated, but... De-escalated and removed. DS. I've seen it. 
Like I, we know we and just know become a hundred percent vanilla. No, we know somebody who's that way. We do, mm-hmm. and they're very happy. It totally works for them. Well, but their it's relationship not, started it's not without it. Common. Their relationship started without it, and oh. they added it in. So that well, and they okay, so that's a little bit. Years, yeah, and then they removed different. it. But the point is, but, like, yeah. But the point is just that for most people, it's not about removing one or the other. I don't think that would when two people have established both. I don't think it's. I think it's going to be a rare anomaly <laughs> that people in that situation would get rid of one or the other a hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's more just about, you know, what do you, what, what post do you lean on a little bit more when things are maybe shaky? Yeah. You know, which, which pole do you cling to? <laughs> yeah. Um, something else. Like both was... poles are still there. <laughs> something else that, I was thinking about too about romantic relationships in particular. Um, if you're trying to do, for instance, a 24 seven power exchange, the implication typically is that you're living together. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's very, common. it's often not that way. Oh, well then fuck me. I'm just assuming that that's the way it is. <laughs> when you nest with somebody and you're layering in power exchange, you have to factor in the fact that they're also a person and they become fully rounded because there's no separation there. Like I, not fully not like being fat. Jeez, you are just. I love that you knew exactly where my head. Yep, was I did. Moment. But like you know, at some point you pee with the door open. You know what I'm saying? Like you get to no. know you get to know somebody <laughs> enough that they fart in front of you for the first time. Oh, you know, the same markers that happen in a relationship that's romantic happen in DS when you live with somebody or when you're overlapping to that extent. You're not able to purely imagine them as the role of dominant or purely imagine them as the role of submissive. They take on a fuller role. And I'm not saying that it's always a role, but I think sometimes when you don't live with a person or you can fully allow that all your interactions with somebody are totally DS and you don't have to ever be around children and code that way or you don't, you know, choose to overlap in your life so you're not sharing time together that is basically vanilla. When you don't have to do vanilla things together or rather you don't get to do vanilla things together because you're choosing to just do purely DS kink stuff together it's a totally different vibe. And when you're doing romantic relationship layered with DS, whether you live together 24-7 or not, that's part of the beauty and part of the challenge is that the vibe is different. The vibe is I'm going to embrace this person in their totality beyond just what they are to me. I'm going to be around them and see them in all of the roles they occupy in their life. I'm going to have a very complex and entangled relationship with this person where we are going to have times where we might not necessarily be doing things together that feel super DS. Um, The challenge, in my opinion, of maintaining something like this and keeping it healthy is creating a strong enough headspace of DS that it still is omnipresent. And for me, that's been a challenge over the last five years is being able, I, I feel, I feel like whiplash. Ms. Jen actually said this the other day we were having like a little bit of a harder moment and she pointed out sometimes it feels like whiplash, like your headspace seems to go in and out, in and out. And I'm like, well, yeah, because the kids are here every other week. I have to literally change my habits and my expectations every other week. Sometimes I can't stay in, in my submissive headspace because I have certain tasks or functions I have to do that don't feel like I'm in a subspace when I'm doing them. I, I don't also don't personally always want to be deep in subspace like I want to be able to be the person I was before I, I met mean, her submissive headspace not necessarily subspace yeah but like it's the thing like <laughs> I was a whole person before I met you I'm a whole person today I am choosing to be in DS and I'm occupying the role of the submissive but I don't stop being myself and I'm certainly not going to lose who I am as I step into this really important role I'm bringing everything that I am to that role I wanted to also just say to I don't want to leave out very important power exchange dynamics that are part-time, you know, um, I've had someone be unofficially, but kind of officially, uh, in service to me. Right. And totally platonic. There was no nesting. There was no sexing. There was no, (laughs) there was friendship and service and that was it. And it was only service, um, at my events and a little bit of service outside of that in terms of just like computer work but otherwise like that was the power exchange that that was there and those are also the types of relationships I think a lot of times when you have like service-based 
part-time dynamics that are also super awesome and, and legit, um, and important and can be a hundred percent fulfilling as well in a different way, of course, but yeah, I think romance makes DS messy. Um, it doesn't mean that DS can't work, but you have to be willing to clean up a lot. You have a lot more, more labor difficult to, do. to navigate. You have a lot more labor to do if you're going to do DS and romance and you have a lot more potential pitfalls with that. Um, I think that there is a beautiful beauty in 24 seven, um, DS romance, but there's also a huge beauty in the part-time or in totally service-based dynamics. Um, and I think those things don't get talked about enough. And while I have not engaged in either of those things myself, um, I, I've had friends help me. I've had friends offer service to us and I've, I've been, you know, spoke, I've spoken with somebody before about potentially becoming a, a service, um, submissive to myself and my dominant. Um, and it was not a turnoff. In fact, it was a beautiful thing to even have someone offer that. Um, and you know, with no expectation for anything other than the, the, the dynamic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think this is something that's like worth discussing. I think it's a good, it's a good topic. And I think anytime you discuss this topic, not just with each other, but with other DS couples, um, I think it's always going to be a different conversation. Well, I want to attempt to, to pull the thread through from the very beginning to talk about Valentine's day and what happened and bring it all the way through into the service piece. Because to me, these topics are related um, they feel like they're separate, like we lumped in something and then layered it in. But as much of a challenge as it is for me in this moment to thread it through, loving somebody in a romantic way and choosing them as your partner and on top of that, deciding that you want to do DS with that person. It is an adventure for sure. Um, there are many obstacles on this adventure and not everybody makes it through the adventure. It's not easy. Um, and it's not discussed openly often enough for people to understand when they enter into romantic DS that it's going to get complicated. And um, if, if the power exchange is new for either one of the partners or both, there's also going to be vanilla deprogramming that needs to yeah. happen too. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of work in that respect. But the beauty of it is learning new ways to love someone. When you're in a romantic relationship with somebody that you actually trust, who is not trying to take advantage of you, um, for Unless me, it's pre-negotiated. LOL. <laughs> for me, I'm learning how to be able to trust somebody, and I've also discovered and I'm sad to admit it but like my ability to trust for whatever reason is really really fragile in DS I'm 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 able to rise to the challenge of actually trying to trust my dominant um and I want to be able to surrender that trust so badly and it's taking a long time but because of our DS and because of our ability to lean on that it's allowing for trust to be able to be built into a occur um I'm also learning how to actually offer service not from a place of it's expected of me or it's what we agreed to, but offering it from a place of because I love you, I want to remove those obstacles in front of you. And that type of love, I've never known how to give and I've never felt it this powerfully before. And the more I know you, the more I'm getting to that place where I'm like, oh, oh no. Oh no. I love her <laughs> as much, I think, as I love myself. Oh, no. No. <laughs> it seems like it's impossible, but I'm getting to a place where as much as I love myself, for the first time in my life, I think I'm starting to love another person as much as I love myself. And, like, I'm getting emotional about it, and I think it's why it's so hard to talk about. I think that's why I wanted to do this stupid, crazy thing on Valentine's Day. It has nothing to do with forcing you to marry me or apologizing <laughs> oh to you for God. freaking up or, like... You know, it didn't have, I mean, the holiday was just an excuse. Yeah. But I want you to understand that my desire to serve continues to evolve. And it's definitely not coming from a place of I get gratification from service necessarily. It's actually coming from a place of I love you so much. I want to make your life easier. 
And like, that might not be the same reason for everybody to offer service. But for me, my service is getting to a point where it's coming from a place of devotion purely to you over myself. I know I have strengths. I know what I can do to use those strengths to make you stronger. And that's what I want to do. It's a choice. That's what DS with romance can look like. I want you to know I love you. Oh, I know. I don't know. I tell you, but it doesn't seem to sink in. I hope after last night, something got through. The shock well, I was going to say, like, when we talk about our love languages, you know, last night was definitely, like, way stronger than, like, telling me you love me every day. Like, because that, I know, took effort and created an experience together. Being with somebody hopefully isn't a need it is hopefully a choice every day and a want every day i know that i mean this could have been a 20 minute episode if other people were doing it (laughs) but we tend to go into more depth and that was our goal with this entire podcast not this episode but this podcast was to be able to take some deeper dives into topics and so hopefully the listeners are precious kinklings that got something out of this and got some nuggets i'm fucking curious to know if anybody has a strong opinion themselves about whether or not ds and romance should be overlapped because i've met some people who are like hell no oh yeah no Don't i know people that never overlap ever. the two thank you so much for listening with us today we <laughs> would be remiss if we did not thank the team that helps us pull off these episodes. Um, I'm talking, of course, about Tussled, Lena, and Sid. Tussled has been helping us out by reviewing our episodes with these hilarious cheeky notes. You can find them on our Discord or on our Instagram. Tussled also has been helping us with research, which, as you can imagine, is kind of a big deal for a podcast. Lena, the lovely Lena, helps us out with managing our Discord. She's the bomb hop on our discord um and meet lena and that there you will also find sid sid designed our server he is our tech guy he is just the bee's knees um and we really appreciate sid so thank you so much to tussle lena and sid and he's helping us with other technical stuff too outside of discord yeah Yeah. thank you so much for all of your help um as i say in every episode we could not do it without you yeah well we could do it but it wouldn't be as good It would not be as good. (laughs) We want you. We don't need you. We want you. (laughs) All right. I'm getting a side eye. Bye. Bye.